Good morning, church. It's good to be here and worship with you today. While our children are dismissed, let's take part in our monthly memory verse, this for the month of May. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Now, you may have noticed, or perhaps may not have, but you'll notice now very soon that I'm wearing a tool belt up here today. We are talking about building today, and I need to, right from the beginning, in full disclosure, tell you that right now, this this tool belt is getting more work in these minutes than it has in the last 15 years of my life combined. I learned very, very early on in my marriage that it would actually save me money when something was broke in my home, to call a professional than to try to fix it myself. I try to stay away from all of those things when something happens in my home uh, that is in need of repair. Usually my first phone call is to my father, and if I have tried in any way to repair the thing that is broken, oftentimes the first words out of my father's house when he gets to the house are, what have you done? <laughs> and so I am, I am not going to wear this the whole time. I'm actually going to take it off because it is a little bit heavy and set it aside for today. Um, put it right here. But I am very thankful for the men in our midst, men like John Masters, who are good with their hands and able to fix, repair, touch up, and renovate spaces when needed. Today we are continuing our study through the book of 1 Corinthians, and you can take your Bibles and go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's where we're at. We actually have two more sermons today and next week in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, and Paul is addressing the corporate church here. And two weeks ago, we discovered that one way that the church can live and function for the glory of God in an overwhelmingly unbelieving world was to see ourselves as servants, co-laborers with God tending to and caring to God's garden, the church. And Paul has reminded us that the church, and one of the clearest indicators of spiritual maturity is our dwelling together in unity under the headship of Jesus Christ. He's explored how jealousy, strife, and division work against the purposes of God for his church and are not in line with the highest ideals that God would have for his people. Paul has identified that it was God who would bring production through his ministers or servants in the church. He has observed that Kingdom work is rewarded on the merit of not our production, but rather on the merit of our labor. For God brings the increase. The implication that Paul is walking us towards in this text is that what we do with the time that we have here on earth really matters. If you're wondering, does all of this matter? Is all of this important? The answer is a resounding 
Yes. Paul's addressing how the church is to relate to the servants that God has sent them. And it's important that we recognize, friends, that all of us are ministers or servants, one to another. All of us have been called into one form of ministry or another. Some here today will help. Some will guide. Some will administrate. Others will teach and preach. Some will provide care. There will be those who encourage and exhort and still others who will pray. Some in our midst will go to faraway places and share the good news. Others here will be senders. There will be musicians among us and there will be technicians as we have in the back. There will be doctors. There will be legal experts. No matter the gift or the calling, we are all to be servants one to another. And one of the greatest privileges in serving the Lord is the opportunity that we have been given to minister to one another as there is need. And in our text today, Paul is going to remind us that how we build, how we serve, how we care for and minister to one another is relevant. It's very important to the health and the unity and the well-being of the church. And we need to explore and answer questions related to the power by which we build, the foundation we are building upon, the materials we build with, the way that our work will be judged, and the judgment that we will face if we are found as destroyers rather than builders up of God's people who are also God's temple. We are in verses 10 through 17 of chapter 3 today. And before we read this text and begin to study it together, let's take a moment and ask for the Holy Spirit to help us. Father, we have gathered around your word again today. It is with great excitement that we open these pages because, Lord, we know that there is life-giving and meaningful, vital information for us here. There are words on these pages that you intend to use to help us grow, to help us live, and to help us apply the faith that we've been given through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, there's much that would threaten to distract us today. There's much in our world that would threaten to throw us off course. But we trust in the power of your words. And we know, Lord, that you intend for us to be a people that build one another up in love. And we want to know how we can do that well. So as we turn to your words this morning, we ask you to help us as we seek to answer these questions, learning how we can build one another up in love for your glory. Would you help us to do it? In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, 
Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Paul begins in Verse 10 by saying, according to the grace of God given to me. Very important words. They are words that remind us that we are not building on our own strength or our own efforts. Paul will later say this in the same letter in chapter 15, verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. According to the grace that God has given to each of us, friends, we work hard in building one another up. It is indeed one of the greatest applications of love among us, and it is part of the theme under which we are studying this book, Love builds up. God brings the increase. We are simply called to work hard at what he has given us to do. For all of us, all who are gathered here today, this work might involve prayer. It would involve the study and the application of God's word. It would involve fellowship. It would involve making disciples, sometimes baptizing taking the good news into all the world and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. And while our work is all the same in regards to the church, we don't all work at it in the same way. We each minister according to the gifts that God has given us. There are some of us here today who are relationship builders. There are some who are sowers, others who are tillers. There are some among us who their work is in preparing the soil or planting the seeds of the gospel in a person's life. There are others among us who will water that soil and still others who will faithfully tend to that plant to see that it grows Even some of us who are here will have the opportunity to see and to participate in the harvest of a new soul come to Christ. It's interesting as we gather, there's some of us here today that are more tuned for work outside of the building. Some of us really have a heart for outreach and evangelism. That's our calling. And we do a lot of labor outside this building. Monday through Saturday during the week. Others are more tuned for work inside of the building in discipleship, relationship building, fellowship, mentoring. Many of us find fruitful labor both inside and 
outside of the physical spaces that we've been given. Some of us who have gathered either here or who are with us online, some of us may be at a place in our life right now where we have limited interactions with other people. Those then are the prayer warriors. And prayer then becomes a mighty tool that is wielded for the Lord's purposes. Some of us will move from one kind of work to another. Others will remain in one type of work for their entire lives. Yet what unites us is the power by which we are at work. Friends, we work as God's grace takes effect in our lives. And what God produces through our labor and our work is both beautiful and honoring to him. We all build by the strength of God's grace. And in this way, grace is is like a fuel working in our lives as a catalyst, moving us to serve those God has brought into our pathways. We are all fueled the same way. We're fueled by God's grace. And we're building on the same singular, mighty foundation. Look at verse 10 and verse 11. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation under than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul was clear about the foundation that he had laid. He mentioned this earlier in his letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And in the message of Christ and Him crucified, the foundation has effectively been laid. And now all who come after, including us today, church, must take care of how We build upon it. And let me say this. There is no more substantial or powerfully supportive foundation for life and ministry than the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. This is the surest foundation that we can build upon. Jesus himself confirmed this. In his ministry. The rock. The cornerstone. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Here we are today, church. Founded on the rock. The rock. The same foundation that Paul was building on. The same foundation that the early church leaders were building upon. That is the same foundation that we build upon today. The rock, our cornerstone, will not move. And there is nothing on earth that can shake him. He said, Jesus said, I will build my church. Then he opened the doors for us to partner with him in what became and is becoming the world's 
greatest building project. In the Old Testament, it was a physical temple that was built upon the rock of Israel's capital city, Jerusalem. And when Jesus came, he said, tear that temple down, and I will build it back up in three days. He was talking about his body. As Jesus hung on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn. The curtain that stood between man and the most holy of holies in the temple, torn to give free and clear access for you and for me. And the stone that the builders rejected, the builders of the original temple, they rejected Christ, and he effectively became the cornerstone of this new, undefeatable, indestructible, worldwide building project that today we call the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen? This is a powerful, powerful piece of work, friends. What Jesus has done here is very powerful. It's not a physical building, but a universal body of people, a people whose hearts are securely nestled and held fast on the foundation of Christ for the glory of God and for the good of one another. Let's stop here for a moment, church, and just consider the true privilege that it is that Jesus would invite us to join in his special, set-apart, and sanctified Builders Guild. As co-laborers with him in this project of eternal importance. We build fueled by grace. Not on our own strength, not on our own efforts, on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we do it using materials that will last. Materials, friends, that will survive the fiery trials that come as we live in this world. And so what are those materials? What are the materials that last? What are the things that we should be building with? If you look at verse 12 of your text, Paul gives a list of materials. Six specific materials. Three of which will work and are lasting. Three of which will not and will burn away. The first set, gold, silver, and precious stones. These are materials that are actually refined by fire. While the second set, wood, hay, and straw, are burned up when a fire comes. What we build with is significant. The psalmist says in chapter 12, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Isn't that amazing? Starting with knowing and doing what we discover in the word of God, we might consider other lasting materials like prayer, like discipleship. Fellowship with other believers, loving and serving one another. These are the gold and the silver and the precious stones that have lasting spiritual influence. And the reality is with some of these, we may not ever get to see the lasting spiritual significance here on earth. Sometimes we're not privy to see the work that the Lord does 
as we invest in and build one another up. As we sit here today, many of us sit here in an understanding that life is full of adversity. There is complexity, there are trials, there is testing, and there is tribulation. And a day like today, this is Mother's Day, a day like today for many of us clearly illustrates this reality. For many of us on a day like today, we are going to gather. After service today, we're going to get together with family members. We're going to celebrate mom. We're going to picnic. Maybe some of us will cook out. I don't know if today is going to be a great day for cooking out or not, but maybe it's on the agenda for some of us. Yet there's another side today, isn't there? There's a heaviness for some that stand behind this day. Many here in this room have lost a mother. Some have been abandoned, neglected, cut off, or even abused by their mother. Still more desire for themselves to be a mother. But the Lord has not yet opened the womb or provided another clear path towards motherhood. There's adversity. There's good and there's difficult here on earth. It's the paradox that we live with every single day. And it's real. And yes, it's painful. And it highlights even further the need for us to build with materials that last. Not superficial materials like wood, hay, and straw that are going to burn up. We have the Word of God. There are promises in God's Word that can carry us through adversity. There is power in prayer that informs us of and helps us to recognize the presence of God in our suffering. Allowing us to experience His comfort and His peace and His hope when life is hard. There are Christ-honoring friendships and relationships that provide comfort for us too. Friends, wood, hay, and stubble, those things are not going to get it done when adversity comes. I've seen this before far too often with students who are fed a boatload of entertainment and fun in church growing up. And they go to college and the first time they have a professor that doesn't know Jesus, wood, hay, and stubble burns up and their faith is shaken. They begin to doubt and question. We have so much more than smoke and mirrors. We have the truth of God's word. We have prayer. We have fellowship with other saints and believers. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We have real True, lasting, precious materials to build with in the church. We must use them. What do we know about this, builders? What happens to a building when the foundation is faulty? What happens? If the foundation's faulty and something else happens, what's happening to the building? It's going to fall, it's going to collapse, it will not stand. If the materials are cheap and shoddy, yeah, maybe the building will stand for a season. But as soon as the wind comes or as soon as the ground shakes, the earth moves, when trial comes, the building will fall. However, this is where we come in, friends. 
for the believer who has been prayed over, for the child of God who's been labored over, who's been disciplined, who's been discipled in the faith in the church, who's been fed and nurtured through the word of God, who's been prayed for, who's been invested in with gold, silver, and precious stones, that person will face the fires of life and will come to find that God's words are precious, true, relevant, powerful, and life-giving. For that person, the foundation of Christ stands firm. The materials of God's word, prayer, discipleship, love, service, and godly fellowship, those materials not only stand through the flames, but are often even refined and strengthened by the fire. I don't get it. I don't don't have an answer for it. But I've seen it in my life, and perhaps you've seen it in yours. There are some people that go through incredible adversity in their life, and yet through that adversity, somehow, in some way, through the work of the Holy Spirit, that person comes closer to their relationship with God. The fires in their life refine and sharpen their faith. My others, friends, sadly, we've seen this, sometimes fall away. It doesn't mean that there's never going to be doubt, there's never going to be a time where we lack faith or even stumble through a season of life. What it means is that because the Holy Spirit is powerfully alive and active within us, we always find our way back home. So here, church, is a challenge for us. Build with materials that last If we have anything to give one another, give the word, give time in prayer, give service, fellowship, give love, hope, and faith. These are materials that have eternal value. The materials that will stand up under the testing that will come both in life and, as Paul's soon going to mention, on the day of judgment. What we build with here, friends, Matters because our work will be tested and judged. Look at verse 13. Paul says, Each one's work will become manifest, or the word means truly revealed, for the day will disclose it. And Paul's already referenced this day in chapter 1. You can go back and look in verse 8 of chapter 1, talking about Jesus who's going to sustain us to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, what Paul is saying here is that one day our work, what we do here on earth, will be tested and judged. And as Paul says in verse 14, it will be rewarded The work that withstands judgment. Look at verse 14. If if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Now, we have to pause here and dig in a bit. So get your shovels out. I don't know if we've done this before, but we need to stop right here. This is a place to dig in together as we study God's word as a congregation. We are saved by faith alone. And we are justified by faith alone. The Bible is clear about this in passages like Romans chapter 3, 
verses 21 to 31. You can write that down and go study it on your own. Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. You can write that down, go study it on your own. However, it was James, the brother of Jesus, who in his epistle does not allow us to easily excuse ourselves from the works that must follow genuine faith. Again, to be clear, it is not this working that saves us or justifies us. But it is this work that gives clear evidence to others in the church and outside of the church of the reality of our justification. Enough so that James says the following striking statement. And I want you to turn there with me because it's important that you see this with your own eyes so you don't blow my inbox up later this week. James chapter 2. <laughs> I'm going to just read the Word of God. <laughs> James chapter 2. You're going to want to turn there near the book of Hebrews in the New Testament towards the back. Little book. If you have your device, you can find it pretty quick. They make it nice and easy for us. James chapter 2. And I want you to look down at verses 20 to 26 with me. James 2, 20 to 26. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person? That faith apart from works is useless? Was it not Abraham our father justified? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. What we do, friends, in the faith here on this earth, with the short time we have, it matters to God. And it matters to the people that he's drawn into our pathways. There is work of eternal significance for us to do here on earth. There is a judgment that resolves our position with God. The judgment is secured in Christ. As Paul has already affirmed earlier in this letter to the people of God in Corinth, we are guiltless before the Father. We sang that this morning beautifully. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, by faith, Abraham found himself in a right relationship with God. But that faith, friends, cannot be divorced or separated from the works that it produces. The scripture does not allow for it. 
In fact, James says in regard to Abraham's faith that his faith was completed or brought to maturity by his work. There is a judgment, friends, a judgment that is related to our labor or our work in the faith while we are here on earth. You want to take a look at a few other places where the concept of this judgment is found and brought into focus in the New Testament. I said we were going to dig in here a little bit, and so I want to be true to my word. Turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 2. I don't often make you do this, but this is a good time to do it today. We're going to flip around a little bit. Romans chapter 2. There's other places in the New Testament that talk about this judgment that Paul is speaking of here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 5 through 11. Sorry, Romans chapter 2. My bad. Don't go to 1 Corinthians. Romans. Romans chapter 2, 5 to 11. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Verse 6 of Romans 2. He will render to each one according to his, what? Works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first. And also to the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jew first and also to the Greek, for God shows no partiality. There's another reference that you can find and we won't look at it today, but you can write it in your notes. Romans chapter 14 verses 10 to 12 is another place that references this judgment. And then again, Paul will reference it later in his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. I'll put it on the screen so you don't have to flip there. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, go ahead and flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We can go back to the text we're studying today. Thank you for digging in with me. And let's see what Paul says about this judgment in verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Again, we should be reminded that Paul is making the point in this text that what we do here on earth has eternal consequence. It matters. This is why Paul says to the Romans when they say, well, what are, should we just continue in sin so God's grace may abound? Why not? Right? Paul says, no. No. That is not the attitude you're supposed to have. We've said it before that while we're here on earth, this temporary stopping place for us, this is not a playing field, friends, but it's a battleground. 
And it is we, the church, who are in the minority on this battlefield. But thankfully, praise be to God, the battle belongs to who? The Lord. Amen. And friends, careless building with cheap and ineffective materials has consequences. According to Paul here, the consequence does not result in one losing their salvation. That's not what Paul is saying. He says they'll be saved, but only as through fire. Rather, it looks like one who has barely escaped a house or a world that is on fire. I think I shared this with you before. When I was younger, we had a fire in our home. It was very devastating. It was very traumatizing. We lost everything inside of our home. A good portion of our home had to be rebuilt. We had to live with my grandmother for almost an entire year. Everyone escaped. Everyone got out. But the wood, the hay, the stubble was gone. We were all saved, but had nothing. This is an illustration. It's illustrative of what Paul is talking about here if we don't build with precious materials, lasting materials, eternal materials while we're here on earth. For the time that we've been given here, and friends, it's such a short time. It's such a short time in view of eternity. What we build with has significance. And we are to be building with eternity in view. You know that 20 years from now, many of us are going to look back on this season and laugh. Can you believe everything that happened, all the madness that was going on in the world? Our life is but a vapor. Generations before us experienced things not exactly the same to COVID, but world-shattering. There were world wars going on at different generations in different times of humanity. People thought that was the end. It was the end of days. Many generations believed that. My friends, we cannot get so caught up in the circumstances of today that we lose focus on the eternal view and the eternal perspective that we are to maintain. This is not our home. I am not fitted for this place. I don't even like being here. I'll be honest. There's more days is a lot harder than it is easy. Far better for me to be with Jesus. Who said that? Paul. And he was right, wasn't he? Amen. But what did he say? But for your benefit, here I am. Use me, Lord. Right? It's hard. This place, this world, it's hard. We're not fitted for here. We shouldn't suspect that the decisions that people make here on earth are going to have, especially people who are serving in, in positions of power in this world where power is so oppositely defined as the Bible would define it, we should not suspect that those people are going to make decisions, whether they claim to be Christians or not, that are going to be pleasing and in line with the biblical worldview. We just should not come to expect it. And if and when they do, well, that's a pleasant surprise. But it's not always going to happen. In fact, 
Friends, as we live in a post-evangelical America, it's going to happen less and less and less. We do have a hope. We do have a joy. Look at verse 16. Do you not know? Remember, Paul's talking about the corporate church here. He's not talking to individuals. He's talking about the corporate church. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Again, it's it's crucial that the congregation is in view here. The you is plural. It's not a singular you, like a coach talking to his team. We build with eternity in view, friends, because we are set apart by God with an eternal purpose. We are people of God. We are God's temple. How is Emmanuel, God, with us today? He's with us here in his people, the church, through the presence of his Holy Spirit. The physical temple that was once built with human hands now dwells in the hearts of women and men. God, the Holy Spirit, church, He is here right now. He's present. God is present with us. And as His word goes forth, and this is the beauty of the power of the ministry of preaching God's word. This is what he does as the word goes forth. The Holy Spirit is at work applying to every believer that which he or she needs. To the broken on any given Sunday that come in here, our hope is that they would be provided with comfort. To the proud, we hope the Spirit brings conviction. To the complacent, that he will challenge. And to the anxious, that he will give rest. For his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Through our music ministry on Sunday morning, he moves us towards the throne room of grace in our corporate prayer times. God is listening. He's hearing. He's answering our prayers. And he's glorified as we do the work of bearing one another's burdens. That's hard. It's not easy. It was alluded to today. Sometimes we don't have the words to be with people in difficult circumstances and situations. And for some of us, it's very hard to be with people in those circumstances and situations. But the Spirit goes before us. He does the work. And often we find our presence alone is a powerful enough ministry because God is at work. He's at work through our fellowship on Sunday morning as we gather together. Fellowship that is good and right and motivated by love. He's knitting us as a body of Christ together in love. And when need is communicated to the body of Christ and the body of Christ responds and meets the need, God is honored. He's honored in our midst. This is the power of God with us. It is God who's doing the mending. It is God who's doing the healing, the preparing, the motivating, the guiding, the directing, the instructing, and the restoring. He is alive and he is active in our presence right now. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Friends, our God is not dead. He's alive. Amen. He is here. And and church... This should be, this right here, 
This should be the most refreshing and exciting hour or few hours of the week for us. Whether we're here in the building or whether we're watching from home, when we come with the attitude that God is present among us and desiring to work within us in our corporate worship time, we can leave this building with the assurance that he has accomplished what he desired as we have spent time practicing the things that are most honoring to him. That's what we do here. We practice the things that are most honoring to God, and he is pleased. He is pleased. You can leave here knowing that the God of the universe is satisfied and pleased with you. Isn't that wonderful? But there's a word of caution here for the one that would want to destroy this. Whether it be through divisiveness or gossip, whether it be through slander or backbiting, whether it be through poisoning the well towards one another, physically harming each other, whatever means, take heed. Verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now think about this with me. None of us in this room, I hope, would intentionally harm our own bodies. We wouldn't intentionally harm another person's body. Friends, the local church is your corporate body. Do not harm it. Do nothing to take away from the work of God in our midst. I might ask this morning, how are you caring, nurturing, and building up, and empowering, and encouraging, and serving your corporate body? How are you contributing to the strength and the well-being of your local body of Christ? Is our ministry, the ministry that God has called us to do, one that can be described and defined as building people up or one that could be described and defined as destroying the people that God has called together here? And we have asked this gigantic question as our team comes today. We're going to close singing about our sure foundation. How do we live as disciples of Jesus and function together as his church in an overwhelmingly unbelieving world? Keeping eternity in view, we build one another up in love on the securest and mightiest foundation of all, Jesus Christ. And as we prepare to sing today, I leave you with this question, and I believe it's a powerful one, one that we should all look inside our hearts and inspect the answer to. Who are your current building projects? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, for its effectiveness. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us work to do here, that you don't leave us purposeless, but you give us great purpose. And not only, Lord, do you give us great purpose, but you give us great tools which we can use to work that purpose out among us. And I pray, Lord, that through our time together today that we will be motivated to 
use the tools of your word, the tools of prayer, of godly fellowship, serving one another, loving one another, to build one another up in the faith that you might be glorified, that you might be honored. We are so grateful that in somehow, some way, you have chosen us to be part of this together with you. Lord, we also recognize that there may be some who are here with us today that are not yet part of this team. They have not yet been brought into this Builders Guild. They have not yet taken the opportunity to build, to do the work that you have for us here. Lord, we pray right now that if there is a person here today, in the sound of my voice, whether here in the building or online, that has not come to a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ, that right now in these moments that you would call them into this great and wonderful work that you have given us, that you would open their hearts and minds, that you would save them, that they would know your son, Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior. That they would call upon his name, that they would confess with their mouth that he is Lord, believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you, Lord, have done that great work. Lord, this is a very private decision right now, but Lord, I pray that if anyone has made that decision today, that they would step forth and contact one of our leaders here at CNBC, an elder, a pastor, a staff member, and let us know so that we can walk with them to the very public proclamation of baptism, that they might confirm their faith in our body. Lord, we'll give you the glory for the work that you do, for we know that you are the God of great increase, and you bring all fruit to bear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.